2: It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. We begin seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, the ninth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Looking forward with great anticipation to the glorious future of our nation. How do I know the future of our nation is glorious? Because we have accepted the Constitution of the United States. We have accepted the rule of law in the United States, and those are the things that have made us the greatest nation in the history of human civilization. It is not going to be undone in less than 30 days uh, on the November 6th midterm elections. We have proven one thing, if we have proven, proven nothing at all, that we are resilient We are strong and we are willing to fight back whenever our great, wonderful, constitutional, representative republic is threatened. And yes, over the course of the last month, roughly, we have seen it threatened gravely by those on the American left. And yes, we are listening very, very closely to their promises of new threats to our republic threats of chaos threats of harassment, threats of intimidation, threats of essentially destroying the way of life that we have built for ourselves in the United States, the greatest nation in the history of human civilization. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Coming up in about uh, 30 minutes uh, on our program, we're going to talk to Rob Walgate. Rob Walgate is helping to fight back against things that threaten our great country, starting with the state of Ohio. Rob is, of course, uh, with com and with the American Policy Roundtable uh, and uh, the Ohio Roundtable, and he is going to tell us why Richard Cordray and the rest of the leftists in the state of Ohio who support Issue 1 uh, are so very, very wrong about the danger that that terrible, terrible constitutional amendment would pose for the people of Ohio. So we're going to learn how to fight back against that and try to convince people that you know to vote against Ohio's Issue 1. It is a travesty. What is also a travesty, by the way, just to kind of go off on a sidebar here, is the op-ed that ran uh, in uh, various Ohio newspapers, co-written by former Republican Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich and former Obama czar Van Jones. They conspired what with one another to write an op-ed in favor of Issue 1. It was shameful, it was inaccurate, it's dangerous, and it's something that we will indeed respond to. So Rob Walgate will join me at 9.35 this morning to discuss that. Then at 10.05, Peter Kersenow will join us once again, as he does each and every Tuesday with his very unique take on the Democrat chaos being sowed uh, by activists, by George Soros, his extraordinarily well-funded Open Society Foundation, and more. So we have a lot of this to get into today, and I want to talk about the optimism that I have. When I say the glorious future of this country, it's because I do not believe the blue wave theory. I do not believe that after everything that the left has tried to do in the last month, particularly as it pertains to Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, I do not believe it will work. I do not believe it will be rewarded. I do not believe that evil um, thrives and survives in the overwhelming face of good. Good won. Good defeated evil 50-48 to 48 on Saturday's uh, uh, confirmation vote. And I do believe good will defeat evil on Election Day in November. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that every single Democrat is evil. However, if you are someone who votes for evil Democrats, you are going to bear the scars. And you will indeed bear the scarlet letter. How about that? That was unintentional. The scars and the scarlet. It will be reflected upon you if you vote for people and to try to support a party that tried to perpetrate such evil on an innocent man uh, in such a terrible, terribly vile way. Uh, that is something that I truly believe is going to happen. And I believe that in November, the blue wave that people are predicting is going to be completely reduced to a trickle. If they gain a seat in the House, it will be a very, very low number, or if if they gain any seats, it will be a seat or a very low number of seats, not enough to overtake the House. I do believe they will lose seats in the United States Senate and that the American people, thrilled with the direction this country is taking economically, jobs-wise, national security-wise, military, virtually every area, with the possible exception of the fact that we have not gotten our very, very important border wall funded by Congress yet, and with the fact that our national debt has continued to rise. It has risen under Republican presidents in the same manner that it has risen under Democratic presidents. And as conservatives, as fiscal conservatives, in addition to being social conservatives and law-abiding conservatives, we we would be remiss if we did not point out that it's just as bad under President Trump in terms of the debt as it was under Barack Obama. We can't just selectively choose when to be mad about our debt. But other than that and the border wall, uh, I truly believe that the American people are gonna look at things right now and say, This is this is this is going pretty doggone well. Four point two percent deregulation, more businesses open, more manufacturing plants open, better trade deals worked with our neighbors, etc., etc, etc. I do not believe in the blue wave theory. I'm not going to go ahead and call it a red wave either. But I do believe that what has happened in the last month is going to lead to an extraordinary turnout in November for the Republican Party. We watched and we saw what happened when evil tried to take over. And we pushed back. And we, let me give you an example of that pushback. There was a Gallup survey that was uh, recently completed, it was September 4th through 12th, okay? So, let me say recently, it was a month ago, and this is really before all of the Kavanaugh stuff really happened, but I want you to listen to this. A Gallup survey asking the question, how satisfied are you with how our country is being governed? Now, mind you, our country is governed by a Republican in the executive office, Republicans control the House. Republicans control the Senate. Republicans also control the vast majority of governor's mansions in the 50 states and a majority of the state legislatures. What is your satisfaction level with how the country is governed? In September of 2017, that same question was asked, Of all adults, 28% said they were satisfied with how the country is governed. In September of 2018, meaning just one month ago, that number is up 10 full points to 38%. 28% satisfied with how our country is being governed. A year ago, 38% now. But that's not the best part. Why do I think that a blue wave is going to be reduced to a trickle? Why do I think that Republican voters are going to flock to the polls to try to stop this blue wave takeover? Because of the next category. The next category is how satisfied are you with how the country is being governed if you're a Republican or someone who leans Republican. A year ago, September of 2017, that number was 47%. Now, in September of 2018, 70 2%. A 25-point improvement in how Republicans and those who lean Republican feel about how the country is being governed. 25% increase. What about Democrats and those who lean Democrat? A year ago in September of 2017, 10%. We're satisfied with how the, governor, uh, the country is being governed. In 2018, one year later, still 10%. No movement whatsoever. So in other words, Republicans have been inspired. Republicans have been, uh, are enthusiastic. Republicans are excited about the improvement in this country. They're excited about the massive explosion in economic growth, explosion in number of jobs available, a 50-year low, 3.7% unemployment rate. Americans are inspired by the direction of this country. And that's reflected in the all-adult growth from 28% to 38%, but in the Republican uh, Party and those who lean Republican, a 25% improvement or increase in number of people satisfied with other countries being government. Democrats, flat. 10%, 10%. And you might say, well, they wouldn't be inspired because it's been Republican leadership. And yes, that is very, very true. But in, quote, how the country is governed, they are also evaluating the performance of the Democrat Party because they are part of its government. They are part of its government, and they are not satisfied at all. So I look at these things, and I look at surveys in terms of uh, other recent surveys, which I've quoted in the last few days, about the number of Republicans who believe that voting in this 2018 election is is very important is important or very important and the explosive growth of that number to 82% 82% this is something again just a few months ago democrats had a very sizable advantage in terms of uh, uh, how they how important they feel it is to vote in this particular election in november they had a sizable advantage that that advantage has dwindled down to 2% in the most recent survey from, from the Fox News poll. Or, or I'm sorry, that was Rasmussen. Beg your pardon, I want to give you the correct attribution here The, the latest Rasmussen poll. There was at least a 10-point gap just a couple of months ago. Now that is down to 2%, and the Republican total has increased astronomically. 82% of Republicans say it is important to vote. So what was done to Brett Kavanaugh was evil, but it was also galvanizing it was unifying it was it was so terrible what was being done to this man what it was so terrible what was being done to his family that the republican party or republican voters rather looked at it and said we will respond this cannot be allowed they cannot be allowed to profit from from such terrible terrible actions and accusations and it's reviving The Republican Party, perhaps in ways that it never would have had it not been for what was done to Brett Kavanaugh. As an example, I want to turn to, after we take our traffic time out, I want to turn to a column that was written um, for the Denver Post. Actually, no, this was written for the Federalist by a Denver Post columnist named Krista Kafer, who I believe, or Kafer, who I believe is speaking for an awful lot. Of former Republicans, who have made a very important decision because of recent events in the United States. I'll share her story, and I want to listen to your story as well. Coming up after our uh, traffic, 888-281-1110. A lot of ground to cover. Rob Walgate today, Peter Curson out today. Your thoughts today, and a whole lot of audio to share with you as well as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Party,
1: 88
0: progressive democrats please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die this is the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer
2: bob why are you so enthusiastic about november why are you so excited about the future why do you talk about the glorious future of this greatest country in the history of human civilization Remember, uh, it's almost it's almost a guarantee. The party in power, uh, uh, in the White House rather, loses seats and some of their power in midterm elections. It's just the way that it often goes. It happened in 2008 with Obama being elected. 2010 Republicans swept into power into the House and then shortly thereafter into the Senate. Why are you excited? I'm going to tell you why. What has happened to Brett Kavanaugh and what has been perpetrated by the demonic Democrats uh, in this country? Uh, I think is galvanizing people in a way that nothing really else could have. And here's an example. I mentioned this before, the the, the traffic time out there. Krista Kafer or Kaffer is um, a, um, sorry, I don't know her, uh, but she writes for the Denver Post. And she wrote this op-ed for The Federalist, which I think speaks volumes because I think her story resonates with a whole lot of other people who feel the same way. The Kavanaugh confirmation motivated me to rejoin The Republican Party writes Krista Saturday Night Live's Brett Kavanaugh cold open was the final straw I had been seriously mulling it over for more than a week before I made a few clicks on the Colorado Secretary of State's website to end my two-year hiatus from the GOP I was happy in my self-imposed exile like other never-Trumpers during the last election I needed to put some distance between me and the GOP candidate I'd been with the GOP for the better part of a quarter century I'd come to believe that my party cared more about virtue and character than the Democratic Party did. That was the lesson I'd taken from President Bill Clinton's presidency. So when Donald Trump won the nomination, I felt I'd been deceived. I learned that power power matters most to most people most of the time, party affiliation notwithstanding. So why did the Kavanaugh confirmation battle lead me back to the GOP? I wasn't planning on returning anytime soon. Being outside of a major party gave me the freedom to criticize both camps. I could champion principles and ideas rather than the party line. I didn't have to try and justify despicable comments about blank whole countries, attacks on the press, or showing or the growing federal deficit. I could even make, or I could even like a capable moderate Democrat on occasion, like Colorado, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, without feeling like I was cheating on my dance partner. Something about the Kavanaugh circus these past two weeks, however, made me reconsider staying on the sidelines. The new low in political gamesmanship disturbed me. Don't like a nominee's jurisprudence? Leak an allegation prior to the vote. Demand the accuser's sex be taken more seriously than the evidence. Tell a woman who shows emotion she is brave, but accuse a man who shows emotion of lacking judgment. Consider the accused guilty until proven innocent. Judge a sober, middle-aged adult by his teen beer consumption insist on an FBI investigation then dismiss its findings because they don't support the narrative demand that the opinion of enraged activists and Hollywood actors count more than weeks of hearings mob the Capitol. make Kavanaugh atone for every sexual assault that has gone unpunished consider revenge an acceptable substitute for justice whose recipient need not be guilty just available something about that ever-changing narrative made me suspicious of other motives An allegation of teen sexual assault from 36 years ago quickly morphed into something worse. A liberal friend asked me how I could support a rapist who had tried to choke his victim. Huh? Then Kavanaugh was accused of orchestrating rape parties in high school and being a pervert in college. When no evidence could be found to substantiate Christine Blasey Ford's claim, and no one took the pathetic second or third allegation seriously, the story changed again. Kavanaugh Kavanaugh was portrayed as an uninjured adult, unwilling to admit his teen drinking problem. In the end, the only allegation that stuck was that Kavanaugh threw ice at someone 30-plus years ago. All of this for airborne ice? Or could it be that they just don't like his jurisprudence? The changing narrative, the double standards, and the unethical gamesmanship by one group motivated me to rejoin the other. I'm no longer naive. Neither party has a monopoly on virtue or vice. People are people. The decent and the corrupt belong to both camps. Parties are imperfect vehicles for advancing ideas and policies. Perhaps one can influence the direction of a party better from the inside than from without. Who knows? In the meantime, I had to push back against an injustice by being part of something bigger than myself. That's Krista Kaffer, Kaffer, a Denver Post columnist writing for The Federalist. And I believe she speaks for many, many people, many people who either left the Republican Party, who are coming back to it just to correct an injustice that was done to Brett Kavanaugh, just to push back against the evil perpetrated by the Democrats. And I believe there are people who never left the Republican Party, but who have been pretty much AWOL. Yeah, I'm a member, but I'm not active. Yeah, I'm a member, but I don't support a lot of these things. And it's making them re-energized. It is galvanizing the Republican Party and the conservative movement. So, for that, I want to say thank you to the Democrat Party for your evil, for your tricks, for your chicanery, for your deception, for your duplicity. Thank you. You are bringing us back together like never before. And that is what I believe will secure the glorious future of this country. Rob Walgate joins us after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. Yeah.
0: Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Indeed it is. 935 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Do not forget, the brilliant Peter Kersenau joins me about a half an hour from now. Peter uh, wrote a tremendous piece for National Review somewhat arguing exactly what I just pointed out by way of the uh, uh, piece from uh, The Federalist as well. So we're going to continue to discuss the revival of the conservative movement and the galvanize- galvanization of the uh, Republican Party against uh, the evil perpetrated by the Democrats. Peter will talk to us about that coming up at about 10.05, 10.10. For now, though, I want to shift gears. I want to talk about a couple of things in the state of Ohio. In particular, we want to talk about Issue 1. I mentioned in the top of the show, if you missed it, that an op-ed has been written by former Republican Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich and somebody that you wouldn't expect him to be working with on an op-ed, former Obama administration czar Van Jones, now a civil rights activist, social entrepreneur, and CNN host. Yes, Newt Gingrich and Van Jones teamed up to support issue one in the state of Ohio, saying that it tackles the opioid epidemic and puts politics aside. That's a very sweet gesture. It's also going to get people killed. Joining us now is Rob Walgate. Rob Walgate, of course, uh, is a good friend of this program. He is a frequent fill-in host on this program. He is also uh, with iVoters.com, the uh, American Publicity Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, and the Public Square Media Network. Robert Walgate, good to have you back on our program, sir. How are you?
3: Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, um, I want to talk about iVoters because you guys do great work with that website and we'll tell people how they can gain information about issues and candidates and races and so on and so forth in a few moments. But first, I want to start with issue one. I'm going to quote one small paragraph from this op-ed by Newt Gingrich and uh, uh, Van Jones and then give you an opportunity to respond to this. Uh, So many states, including Ohio, right, the uh, two uh, opinion editorialists, are choosing to fund incarceration over treatment, speaking of opioid issues. They are sending individuals suffering with addiction to prison at an exponential rate. In Ohio, prison spending has nearly tripled in the last few decades. Prisons are now overcrowded and are projected to grow more populated in the coming years. Obviously, prisons are needed to keep dangerous people off the streets, they write, but it makes no sense to send people with addiction to places with such poor records of rehabilitation and expect them to come out better than they were before they entered the system. People come out still suffering from addiction, often more deteriorated and saddled with felony records that prevent job and housing eligibility. This pushes economic and family stability even further out of reach. That's a very small portion of what the uh, individuals wrote, Rob. And I know how you, because we have discussed issue one on this program before, uh, I know how you feel about this issue, so i want to give you a chance to respond to that.
0: Well, it's scary that they would say
3: that, because it's clear to me that they haven't read the full amendment. That would be the first question I'd ask Speaker Gingrich and Van Jones. Have you read the entire amendment? Do you know what it says? Because those sound like great talking points that they rattled off. But I would ask them, do they realize that they are going to reduce the prison sentences for people that are accused of any crime other than rape, murder, or child molestation? There's a lot of awful crimes out there other than those three. Are there not? There's a lot of bad folks behind bars that have committed crimes. That's number one. Number two, this isn't about treatment and rehabilitation. We do have an opioid problem in this state. We have one in this country, and we do need to do better. At controlling that. But the thought of letting people out of prison, the thought of not putting people in prison that obtain, use, or uh, possess drugs up to 20 grams is is absolutely ludicrous. To make that a misdemeanor, the same as a parking ticket, makes no sense. Do you realize under this constitutional amendment, someone could have 19 grams of fentanyl, they could have enough to kill 10,000 people, and they wouldn't go to prison? They would get a misdemeanor. They would be on probation. Does that make any sense? And why would we put this in the Ohio Constitution? Why is it a constitutional amendment? Why was it written that way? Because if there's problems with this six months down the road, which there's going to be, which is the reason every judge um, that you can think of has probably spoken out against it. It's the reason the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court has spoken out adamantly against this. The only way to fix it would be another constitutional amendment. It's clutter. It makes no sense. But let me read you a line, Bob. Let me read you a line. Some people say, well, what is the story behind this? Here's the story behind this. This is George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg. They're the ones that are pumping in millions into this campaign to have it done. So it's apparent that Newt Gingrich is holding hands with George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg. My question for him is, does he realize that? Does he know where that came from, number one? Number two, there's a group called the Ohio Organizing Collaborative. And they're, they're one of the organizations that are behind this. And they give right on their website why they're doing the ballot initiative. And it says, we will expand the electorate to include more people of color, low-income communities, and young people directly impacted by a broken criminal justice system. End quote. The reason they did it was they want to go into all these communities, say, we're going to do this, go vote yes, and why you're there... Here's a slate card. Vote for our candidates in all these other races. They're using the Constitution to try and get their people elected. I don't care if you're on the right or the left. The thought of manipulating the law to get someone elected is injustice to everybody.
2: That is very well said. We're talking to Rob Walgate from Ivoters dot com in the American Policy Roundtable, as well as the Public Square Radio and Media Network. So, um, so let, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other crimes, Rob, because you correctly pointed out, with the exception of what were they, murder and rape,
3: rape, um, child molestation, yes, child molestation,
2: yeah. Um, all, all, there, there are a number of other very dangerous, violent felonies that would not be punishable according to this amendment by by prison time. That judges wouldn't even have the uh, wouldn't even have the freedom uh, mm-hmm. to make their own decisions and the discretion on what uh, a particular crime, you know, sentence should be worth, that there are automatic probationary calls for certain things when it comes to drug, uh, some of the drug use, or some of the drug trafficking, et cetera, and some of the other violent crimes that go along with it.
3: Well, they talk about it when it becomes addiction, but what it is in the rehabilitation aspect, everyone has the opportunity to earn 25% off their sentence, a sentence reduction. So let's look at drug trafficking, human trafficking. What about... Um, uh, burglary you name any other violent crime other than murder rape or child molestation those people are going to be have the opportunity to earn 25 um, percent off their sentence number one number two we are going to set up an environment in ohio if this passes to where people around the country are going to say you know who has the most lenient drug laws in the state or in the country Ohio state of Ohio. Why wouldn't drug dealers? You know, I I talked to someone who's a veteran in law enforcement. He's worked with the DEA. He's worked with everybody. He's just a great guy. And we sat down and had coffee and talked about it. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, drug dealers aren't stupid. He said, they know exactly how much they can carry and what their punishment is going to be. They're going to carry up to exactly what they're allowed to only get probation. Then if they get probation, which in this case is up to 20 grams, which, as we said, could kill 10,000 people with fentanyl, they will do that multiple times because they know they have a two-year window before prison even comes into play. They're not going to go to jail. And the people that we're claiming to try and help, we're going to leave out on the streets, and we think leaving them there is going to help them break their addiction. And it doesn't work that way, and the thought of us saving money as a state doing this as a cost-saving measure is, is laughable, in my opinion. Again, we have an opioid problem. We have a drug problem. We have to get serious about fixing it. But doing it this way and playing on the sympathies of people around the state trying to get them to vote, yes, it's quite sad.
2: But, Rob, it's it's more than just the drug crimes. Like I said, I want to go back to some of the other violent crimes that go along with this, this, this unchecked drug trafficking. I mean, let's think about this. First of all, what you said about – Ohio being the most lenient uh country in, or state in the country. But let's just talk about the Midwest. If you are a drug dealer in the Midwest, and I don't care if it's opioids or or if it's fentanyl or if it's uh or if it's cocaine or crack or, or meth or anything, if you are somebody who wants to profit from the sale sale and distribution of your product and you're in the Midwest, isn't Ohio gonna be your hub? You cross the state line in Indiana with this stuff, you're gonna go to prison. You cross into Pennsylvania, you go down to Kentucky, Michigan, whatever. You're going to go to prison if you're in Ohio, and you're doing business like this. You're only going to get probation. So that means it's going to be the hub of the Midwest, first of all. Number two, again, what do, what happens when people who are who are who are you know hooked on on these various drugs, whether it's opioids opioids or again some of the other ones that I just said, when they run out of money? You know, they become addicted because there's more and more pushers, more and more dealers, more and more traffickers yep. here in the state of Ohio. I'm broke. I can't keep a job now because I'm, I'm I'm high or stoned all the time, and now I need money to get my next fix, and what do they do? They rob, they steal, they, 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 they mug, uh, and, and they, they commit and victim commit crimes and victimize a lot of other people. So it's such a bigger thing than just the, the drug trafficking as a crime itself. It's all of the violent crime and the other ancillary crimes that come along with a massive increase. And drug traffic.
3: Yes, because they have no proof or evidence on what's going to happen when that person who they give probation, what they're going to do. As you said, there's going to be a lot more things missing out of garages and people's backyards because we know, studies continually tell us, that addicts will go to any length to get their fix. Now, we do have a problem and we have to help fix that, but anyone that thinks this constitutional amendment is a step in the right direction is sadly mistaken. Sadly mistaken. And the fact, li- listen, I read you the line, the fact that George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg are doing it strictly with the opportunity to try and get people elected. Come on. They don't care about any of that. They want, they're, con- they're concerned about control of the United States House and the United States Senate. They stayed it point blank. That's why they're doing it, to get people to, to influence the electorate. That's
2: why they're doing it. Let me, let me move to iVoters.com now for a second, if I can, Rob, because Rob Walgate, you obviously work with this, uh, very important organization as well. It's a voter information guide website, essentially, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, it gives, uh, people information. I'll let you tell more about what it does in terms of information on candidates, but specifically, as it pertains to issue one, on iVoters being a nonpartisan web serve website and service, you actually provide on Ohio Issue One and every issue, the arguments for and the arguments against, and that's admirable, so that people are informed while they vote. Although I really don't want people thinking there is an argument for <laughs> Issue One, but can right. you can you kind of in a in a in a thumbnail version tell us what it says on that side?
3: Yeah, it, it, they. Um tell you on issue one and the reason we do that bob as you said is is we want people to have both sides to make up their own mind and i feel on this issue and most issues if the american public has the opportunity to read and digest they will do it um they selling points voting yes they say it saves taxpayer dollars it puts money to better use it works on prison recidivism so people aren't going back to jail for the same thing. And and it, it's trying to play on the heartstrings of people and the wallet, saying we're going to save money, but we're also going to help these people that are addicted. The problem, again, we have so many uh, talking points against the constitutional amendment. But I think when people read both sides, as well as read the official language, they will make an educated choice and understand which is the right way to go. And that's what we do always at iVoters.com.
2: If you go to iVoters.com, and it's the letter I, not E-Y-E, of course. It's just the letter I, Voters.com. You'll see at the bottom of the page, Key Races and Issues, Issue 1. When you click on that, you will get argument for and argument against. And go ahead and read argument for if you want, and then once you read the argument against, in my view, I think your choice (laughs) will be very, very clear, and that is to stop this very, very dangerous, reckless constitutional amendment from being uh, uh imposed upon the people of Ohio. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say imposed because you would be self-imposing. You're going to have to vote for it. We need to make sure that we do not. Tell us about the rest of iVoters.com and what you have available.
3: All 50 states, anyone around the country, enter your address and zip code. Up will pop the candidates running from state rep all the way to the United States Senate. People will get a chance to look at the profiles, look at their websites, do the research for themselves. And if you enter an Ohio address, at the top will be Ohio issue one, you'll be able to take a look at that as well. So it's a way to educate people. It's a way for them to do their homework. We've all stepped into the voting booth and not been familiar with the names that we're electing. And um, I don't want people to really think that good guys and bad guys are based on letters next to their names. I think we've been fooled by that in the past. And I want everyone to be able to do their homework and, and do it for themselves. It's We're blessed to live in the country that we are, and we get to make these decisions over who serves in civil authority over us in, in government. And um, I think we need to take full advantage of that, and that's why we do it. We don't we don't ask for any, any information. We don't mine your data in any way, number one. Number two, the only reason we need your specific street number is because the person across the street from you may have a different state rep or a different member of Congress. We need that's that right. to pinpoint exactly where you are. That's number two. Number three, you'll notice, there's no advertisements on our site. A lot of people we I'll tell you a story, Bob, we were you and I were together actually doing your radio program. We were doing our radio program from the Republican National Convention
0: mm-hmm. a couple
3: of summers ago. And we ha- I happened to be having breakfast one place and a political consultant came and sat down next to where Dave and Alan and I, the team at i Voters in the public square were having breakfast and he jumped on iVoters, Voters, took a look and we asked he's like, I love the site. He said, Let me ask you a question. He said, Where are the ads? We're like, Well, we don't have ads. Well, why not? Well, it's nonpartisan, and we don't want to influence it. Well, how do you make money? Well, we're a nonprofit endeavor. People around the country support the work we do because they believe in it. Well, how do you make money? Well, we're a nonprofit endeavor, and people give us – it was foreign to them, the thought that anyone would do information and education without having that angle of advertisements or that angle to make money. But um, we've chosen not to do it that way, and we hope people around the country understand and respect that, because we just want to be information providers. We also provide endorsements, not our own. I don't tell you how to vote on Issue 1 or for any candidate on iVoters.com. No one from our team does. But what you can do is, look, we have the NRA endorsements up. We also have Planned Parenthood's endorsements up. We have the Sierra Club. We have people from the right and left all over, because that may help you make a decision when you see who they support or who they don't support.
2: You know, I respect it, too, uh, and i got to tell you, <laughs> I might not accept political ads for it, but I might put something out, because you guys really could monetize this if you wanted to, because it's a great oh, yeah. site, and a lot of people are going to visit it, and I would imagine a lot of advertisers would love to have their messages on this, even if you stayed away from politics, so I'm impressed by yeah. that. And the last thing I wanted to point out about it, too, is that you don't just limit it to, to to the two major parties? You guys do a really, really great huh? job of providing biographical profiles of of uh, of candidates of all parties. I mean, ask most most Ohioans who's running for governor, and they're going to say Dewine and Cordray, <laughs> or if they're a Democrat, they're going to say Cordray and Dewine. You've got Constance Goodell Newton's uh, profile up there, an official website. This is a green candidate. You've got Colin Hill, who is an independent candidate. You've got Travis Irvine, who's a Libertarian candidate. Most people have never heard of them, myself included. Uh, but you guys do a great job of giving people other options. Uh, you know, in addition to the two traditional powerful parties.
3: Well, thanks, Bob. We our, our team has worked really hard to build that database to find out the information on people all across the country that are running, so that everyone can do their homework before they step into the voting booth on election day it's it's a huge task but um we appreciate it. the other thing we've done this year and this was based on one of your recommendations
2: actually What's
3: that? so this comes from you if you notice we have the most watched u.s senate races and the most watched u.s house races in the country highlighted as well so people can go look at those by district um and see who's running and where they're running, and you don't have to put your address in for that. You can just click and scroll down and take a look. You and I, I don't know if you remember that, but we talked about that. Uh, Yeah.
2: And and and, it's really important, too, because, you know, I mean, let's just say for the sake of argument, you're going to waste your vote here. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, you've got money that you're willing to donate to help, you yeah. know, your, your cause or your political party or your affiliation yeah. or whatever it is. But you realize that my candidate here, you know, polling says they're down by 25 points. I can throw money down that drain if I want to. Or I can see, look, there's a massive, uh, a race in a neighboring state or even across the country. And I've got somebody there who I really think could impact this country in the United States Senate yeah. or impact. And I'm going to take my dollars and put them to a place where they might be more, uh, beneficial. I can help that person win over there when I know my candidate. Or my maybe it's not a loss here. Maybe I know my candidate's going to win. Uh, it's it's a it's a lock, right. uh, you know. And so I can. So anyway, it's just very informative yes. to know about the other important races around the country so that well, you can act on them if you feel the need to.
3: Well said, Bob. When there's a hundred votes in the U.S. Senate and you need fifty-one, do you care where those fifty-one come from? Bingo. You want to make sure you want to make sure that there's fifty-one from people you support. Of course, the Senate has a very archaic rule that calls for 60 in many cases to to break closure. But anyway, we won't won't go down that rabbit hole today.
2: No, not today. But really great stuff. Check out iVoters.com. I urge you for, uh, again, information on the issues as well as the races, the ones that you can vote on, and even to look at the most hotly contested races around the country. And, of course, uh, make sure you check out AP Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable as well. Rob, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. Keep up the great work,
2: Bob. Talk to you soon. Thank you, my friend. Rob Walgate joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get out and come back in again. Curse now after the top of the hour. Don't forget that on AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer. All right, 9.58 short segment here before the top of the hour, which we will hit on time so that we can make sure we have plenty of time for the brilliance of Peter Kersenau, who wrote his own uh, op-ed for National Review today, and I'll let him discuss some of that rather than read it to you. But just to kind of um, uh, put a cap on the conversation for the time being of the uh, Vote No on Issue 1 uh, story uh, that Rob, Rob Walgate and I were just discussing, it is just so unbelievable that there are people who can defend making a misdemeanor the possession of up to 19 grams of a dangerous drug that can kill up to 10,000 people. And I want you to think about that. This isn't just talking points. I want you to don't, don't, just don't think, of, don't think of thousands of people as a number. Think of them as individuals. Let me put it another way. Picture 10,000 people during a day baseball game at, uh, at the Indians. Because sometimes during day baseball, you know, people work. They don't sell the place out, and they don't get 25,000, 35,000 people. Sometimes you get 10,000 people in a state. I want you to picture each one of them. Picture their faces. Those people all can be killed with the amount of a drug, fentanyl, that would be treated as a misdemeanor in the state of Ohio. Not a felony, not punishable by prison. But the possession of that drug that could kill all of those people in that baseball stadium would be only punishable by probation. Somebody find the logic in that. Somebody find the sense in that. Because I can't. And if you vote for Issue 1, and if you let people that you know vote for Issue 1 without telling them the truth of these stories, then you are going to be complicit, essentially, in the terrible, terrible repercussions that follow. 10 o'clock, as promised. Let's get news, then get Cursin' Right here on AM 1420, The Answer